3: Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. It's been quite the year for us City fans who have been on somewhat of an emotional roller coaster from start to finish. And that was just during one of Andrew Detmer's monologues about why advanced stats are the be all and end all of football analysis. But in truth, 2023 has been a wonderful year for the Blues. And to celebrate just that, we're going to take a journey back through time and relive some of the highs and the lows from a truly memorable 12 months of Manchester City. I'm Amos Murphy and this is the City Report podcast end of year special.
4: The city are kings of Europe. Now they have their triple crown.
3: Well then, let's kick things off. And as most years do, we're going to be starting in January. City had entered the new year on the back of a decent start to the campaign, but defeat to Brentford in the final match before the World Cup break saw Arsenal stretch their lead at the top of the Premier League table to five points. It left City with work to do following that, and after picking up four points from a possible six after the World Cup, City's year began with an early January trip to Stamford Bridge. Arsenal themselves had dropped points at home to Newcastle just a couple of days before, meaning this had opened up a big window of opportunity for City, which despite a rocky first half at the bridge, Jack Grealish and Riyad Mahrez were happy to take up, in a crucial one-nil win over Chelsea.
4: Gundogan, De Bruyne, for Grealish. Oh, what a lovely goal! Grealish to Mares. It's a fantastic ball across from Jack Grealish, and it's a simple tap in.
3: But even though City did get the three points, there was still some
1: lingering concerns about the way um, the Blues you know, were let, playing. Let's, let's start on the lineup because. Obviously we saw the 11 players and everybody was pretty over the moon with with the team selection Cancelo
3: and this is the familiar voice team. of Fully Adam Booker. He was joined on the show post match kind of to review back. the Chelsea win Peppens with Oliver Lowe to
1: type and and going back to the the 4-3-3 that we know and love um but it was anything but that you know it was Cancelo and Walker playing on the same side as each other and and running into each other throughout the first half and obviously led to them getting subbed at halftime. But what did you make of the the lineup in the first place?
5: It felt like sort of a cruel, twisted curse to me. You know, when someone says you can have all the money in the world but you can never spend it. Or, you know, you can marry your celebrity crush but you'll never truly be happy. Or like all oh, it felt like that because it was, you know, sort of, okay, right, you've got Pep said it himself he said, this is the, the lineup that the fans want. But It's not going to be in any way, shape or form played in the system that you want it to be.
3: Was the Stamford Bridge win a one-off? Or would it prove the turning point for City's season? What better way to find out than another clash against Chelsea just three days later, this time at the Etihad Stadium and in the FA Cup? A belting 4-0 win for City would see them through with ease. But question about one-man suitability to the side were starting to pop up. Because, of
1: course, he doesn't feature in the game today, but he still makes headlines. After the game on the BBC's coverage, they were having a discussion about whether or not City play better football without
2: Holland. Yeah, I mean, so the issue for me... Introducing Andrew Detmer, is, our
3: very own lovable Yank, sharing his thoughts on the Haaland you know, debate. Already
2: play, played a, you know already or a match against United this season where, uh, you know, uh, a certain Erling Holland. Did feature, um, and we scored six goals that match. Is Erling Holland as good at, you know, kind of one-touch football and, you know, the pass-and-move style that we got used to over the last couple seasons when we didn't have a striker? No. We all know that, right? But that doesn't mean that just because we're playing a different kind of football now with more of a spearhead and, like, someone at the point of the spear as opposed to going false nine and kind of, like, passing teams to death. It doesn't necessarily mean that we play worse football it just changes kind of how you evaluate it and i would say that that united match shows that we can play that type of football with holland in the team
3: while that debate rumbled on in the background further problems would follow for city in mid-january amid what turned out to be a week of chaos it began on the south coast, where City's quadruple hopes were slashed at the hands of Nathan Jones' Southampton. Gineppo, one
4: is ahead of him, side.
3: Out of the League Cup, trailing behind Arsenal in the Premier League. As the episode title read that day, what the fuck is going on at Man City? Feeling now. So straight into it. Southampton to Manchester City nil. Three words. Sum it up. What we think
1: Three words. Hmm. I'll go with the so there's two of them. The, <laughs> the very popular British phrase, shower of shite. <laughs>
3: <laughs> where do you begin because i think in in recent episodes when things have gone good when things have gone bad we've taken it back to the start in 11 it doesn't it it, it almost at this point isn't worth mention him because we're having these situations with with pep guardiola and and let's let's call him out let's name check him we're having these situations with him where he's dropping these lineups and we're we're rubbing our hands together we're licking our lips going yeah this is what we want to see this is what we want to see and the first uh, the the uh what's the word first whistle goes kickoff happens and then we're looking around and we're going no this isn't right this, you know, surely, like this, isn't the right thing that we should be doing. This isn't what the players that you've put out on the pitch to do are there to be doing. It's gone so many times now this season that it's not right to call it just the one off. There are some fundamental issues for me that are, are quite sort of quite obvious at this point. But when you're trying to fend off a crisis, the last thing you need is a trip to Old Trafford. That's what followed for City and it looked as if it might prove to be the catalyst for their season as a second half Jack Grealish goal put us ahead at the Swamp. But as we now know, that match wouldn't be without its own controversy. Step forward, Stuart Atwell and the VAR officials.
0: For was could see Rashford off here but does he touch it he doesn't he doesn't touch it at all and the officials now have a huge call to make this could be pivotal and it's been given the roar will tell you that the
3: derby is back to- a Rashford goal shortly after would tip the game on its head and I think it's safe to say in the post-match review, we were left a little bit fuming Take with the result. Take the shackles result. off, Adam. Just go for it. What did you make of it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to rant and rave and scream and pout. I'm going to be logical about this. I mean, it's it's a clear, clear, clear decision for me if I were to look at that as a referee. Mm. But when it comes down to it, it's one of those those laws that just needs to be governed with common sense and the common sense tells you that Marcus Rashford fully interferes with the play. Um, You know, I I put a tweet out, you know, showing me to shoot and kind of listing all of the things that he's affecting Akanji getting to the ball, Um, Akanji doubling up on Fernandez with Walker, Ederson coming out and and sweeping the ball clear, Ederson focusing on Fernandez as a potential potential shooter. Um, So... Yeah, it's just so clear.
3: I'm not sure about you, listener, but I'm still not over that decision. Anyway, things would pick up for City in the next couple of weeks. A gutsy come-from-behind win against Tottenham Hotspur at the Etihad Stadium set them back on track, right? Well... Pep Guardiola seemed to disagree. He aired some frustrations in the post match conference about the state of his squad and how he wasn't recognizing the team he'd come to love and know. Yeah, I cannot deny how happy we are, but we are
5: we are far away from the team that we were. So Rico Lewis uh concede four falls, and of course it's not yellow cards because it's Rico Lewis, you know, and we don't react. It's the same our spectators our fans, so They are silent, 45 minutes, maybe we are so comfortable winning four Premier League in five years. And that's why we, you know, and after we score a goal they react, yeah, but that's not the point.
0: So do you think from players and spectators, maybe four titles in five years, a lot of success, loads of success, maybe a little bit of fire has gone out of everything? Definitely.
5: Life in everything, we have the fire inside, it's not. And we don't have to ask anything. I, I just explain the reality that everything is so comfortable. Mm. And the uh, opponents don't wait. The opponents are there. Uh, you tell me, oh, how bad? No, we're second in the league. No, yeah. So we are not uh, 20 points. Behind. But you're not happy. It's not. I mean, it's not my questions, is it? You're not happy with your players. Of course, I'm not. I don't recognize
3: my team. My team always had passion, have desire, and everyone, and run, and everything, and. In response to Guardiola's scathing comments, the City squad would show some grit, though, beating Wolves just a couple of days later and heading into February with the side having turned a corner. Surely it was plain sailing from here. Not quite. And as we have come to know across the years, City have one particular nemesis who can often be the fawn in their side. Enter Mr Harry Kane. The Tottenham striker secured his record-breaking goal against who else but City, yet in what would prove to be a whirlwind 24 hours for the Blues, defeat at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium wouldn't prove to be the biggest news story of the weekend. I've got to bring you uh, uh, an update
6: on what you can see on the bottom of your screen right now and that is Manchester City have uh, been charged by the Premier League for breaching numerous financial fair play rules. So That's Manchester City uh, charged by the Premier League for breaching financial fair play rules and they say numerous uh, breaches. What I can tell you at this moment in time is that it's very intricate, very complicated
3: and uh, we are working behind the scenes to try and break that down. Where do you even begin to break that sort of news down? A truly earth-shattering piece of information. But good job we had a lawyer in the building to work things out for us.
1: My my first question on this is not from a legal point of view, but just as a city supporter yourself, what was your initial reaction to the news on Monday morning?
2: Yeah, so I kind of laughed just because like one i woke up yes and I was like, that oh,
3: is andrew data boffin turned practicing attorney so just
2: nothing but like f- probably 500 messages across all my various apps of people being like oh my gosh this is going to be unfortunately i think for a lot of city fans a very long slow process and largely a very boring one unless you're a complete nerd like me um and so yeah i you know i'm It's always weird when uh, my day job mixes with my hobby of podcasting because I do this to be a creative outlet because I don't (laughs) often get to have one of those in my day job. And then it's like, oh, well, now just everything is bleeding together. Lovely. Having
3: established this will likely be a case that takes months to work out, attention switched to how it might, if at all, impact City's current season.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because... I think for one, we can't even begin to speculate because we have no idea how this is gonna play out. I mean, even since I woke up it's it's ten twenty AM. I woke up at eight AM. Since I woke up, the news cycle has you know, mm. it was like a twenty four hour news cycle every hour or so.
7: Yeah, I think um I think conflicted is gonna be the key word mm. of introducing us.
3: first of all Alex Brotherton, sports writer weekend, and podcast watch contributor.
7: Watch um and if, if these allegations are proven and, and City are found guilty, then I don't know. It's just... It's hard, isn't it? Because obviously mm. we're all emotionally collected to Manchester City and... You can't just get. I don't think you can ever just cut out those emotions. Uh, but it's it would leave a very bitter taste in the mouth.
6: Yeah, we all woke up on Monday feeling a bit, you know, sorry for ourselves and saddened about the Spurs game. And then, you know, what an hour later, our group
3: chat went ballistic. Having realized, <laughs> And Ollie McCall, oh, another one something. of our wonderful I mean, contributors. I mean,
6: have to appreciate City getting themselves into financial trouble and legal trouble whenever we're having a bit of an off season. You know, people more qualified than. Me, me, you or Adam, like Andrew, more capable of dissecting this than we ever will be. So I'm just happy to lead, to put it all to a side and you know make the odd joke about it now and again. But I think, you know, time to get to the football again, isn't it?
3: Safe to say Pep Guardiola and Co. were hoping to use it to their advantage, creating a siege mentality inside the Etihad Stadium for the club's first game since the news broke against. Unai Emery's Aston Villa. A fever pitch atmosphere consumed the City supporters that day as they, along with their teammates, had an almighty release of emotion. Not necessarily as good as, but it had cup final vibes, that sort of... You know, there's been times this season I think we've all been there where we've gone, okay, maybe it's a bit flat. We did an episode on the atmosphere, for goodness sake. But I felt like that game, the build-up to it, obviously then the banners that were were, were displayed pre-match, it just felt like an occasion.
7: and that Can, I, can, can I hit you guys with a cliche? Straight. Can I hit you guys with the buzzword of the weekend? Siege mentality. Mm-hmm. Reacting to the like
3: result that, that day is- was Oli Kirsch. Yes, another Oli.
7: The Ollie. thing is about these charges, the, the, the Premier League, whether you believe in the conspiracies or not, whether you believe the charges were well-intentioned to upload, uphold the law or not, whatever it is, those who thought that the charges would bring City down are so badly mistaken. Mm. It, it, I, I mean, I think I said it on Twitter the other day, it will just light a fire under the asses of every single person in that club. <laughs> um, nothing more scary than a Pep Guardiola City team after a loss, actually, there is something more scary. It's a Pep Guardiola City team at the Etihad after we've just had the entire establishment try and take us <laughs> down, right? And that that's what it was. That The whole build-up to the weekend leading into when the Premier League anthem played and was drowned out. I mean, the whole thing just <laughs> built into, into... I think we knew we were going to win that game ju- just from what's been going on.
3: Just as well, too as next up was perhaps the most eagerly awaited clash of the season. Having beaten title rivals Arsenal in the FA Cup just a couple of weeks before, City this time travelled down south for a meeting with the Gunners in the league at the Emirates Stadium. A win for Arsenal would see them once again extend their lead at the top, with the Capital Club also enjoying the luxury of a game in hand. While three points for City would be enough for them, albeit temporarily, to take back control of the Premier League title race. It was a must win game for City. undoubtedly City's biggest win of the season so far, and the vibes were flowing on the post-match pod. For the first time in a long time, it felt like the Premier League title race was back in City's hands. We have wheeled the big guns out for this one, a massive, a massive win. Um, We're still going to try and keep it as, as tight and condensed as we can, so straight into it. Ollie, moment of the match, hit me.
7: Moment of the match, don't hit it like Edison hitting Ketty right? Oh. Moment of the match will be Jack Grealish's goal, Jack Grealish's celebration, nearly getting himself sent off, Jack Grealish's post-match interview. Today for me was all Jack Grealish.
3: I'm I'm happy to have any sort of moment that involves Jack Grealish. Joe, moment of the match,
2: welcoming uh, Joe to uh, proceed. Possibly the other side of the field, Kevin De Bruyne just getting an eight one-on-one altercation with Mikel Arteta, (laughs) who great things at City, but he's just been a pain in the ass at Arsenal. So I loved every minute of that.
3: Andrew, you've got the slim pickings, but there was plenty of a moment of the match.
2: I'm going to have to go with Erling Holland just deciding to again show that he is more than just a man that scores goals. He is a man that plays football, a man that makes other teams have to account for him at all times, and a man that is perfectly happy to set up his teammates, including our boy Jack, to score a goal. I can't believe nobody said the Ruben
7: Diaz tackle. That was, for me, the moment moment of the season, potentially. If Arsenal can pull results out of the bag after the next two, the pressure's back on us. I think they might slip into a little lead again. After that, we've got an easier run. But the last two games, they've got Forest and Wolves. We've got Chelsea and uh, last game of the season is against Brentford away. I think we need to go into the last two games of the season with at least a three or even four point lead. Mm. So I think it's a bit early to be studying the fixtures too hard. I think what's important right now for us is that Arsenal do slip on one of these banana skins in the next couple of games and we win our next three or four, which are fairly easy fixtures. That momentum would be shafted somewhat when a smash
3: and grab point for Nottingham Forest the following weekend denied City a win in frustrating fashion at the city ground. But there wasn't time to dwell on things as February meant one thing. A trip to Leipzig in the first leg of their Round 16 tie was up for City. But as had been the case in the Premier League and the League Cup already this year, things wouldn't go to plan as a tepid performance saw the Blues leave East Germany with only a 1-1 draw to show for their troubles. Work still to be done in the second leg, but by the time March rolled around, City were really starting to find their groove. The Blues won both of their Premier League matches this month, alongside an FA Cup fifth round clash against Burnley as well. But it was that Champions League second leg against RB Leipzig that seemed to catch all of the headlines.
0: That record, the most scored by any Manchester City player ever in a season. And it's March.
3: Remember when we were asking if Harland was the right fit? Well, yeah, funny that. But this game also represented the first time we ever recorded an in-person podcast. As travelling over for a few matches in
1: March was our very own Advocate, Adam Booker. You say that this is you know, one of the more flawed City teams that we've seen under Pep. Um, certainly since the 2019-20 season. I think that that might just be the reason why maybe City kind of find their way to at least another final because, you know, the flawless teams that controlled every single aspect of every game and were perfect, you know, a well-oiled machine in, in every aspect, in every facet, there was always some weird bit of chaos or luck that didn't go their way. So it might just be the season and and Amos and I were walking around town and I was saying, weirdly, this is probably the first season under Pep I've actually been confident in winning the tournament because it feels like they have the, the tools now to exist in a chaotic state, whereas the teams of the past just absolutely could not exist in a chaotic state. We saw against Leon, we saw against Real Madrid, we saw against Spurs that once the chaos kind of starts to exist, they've folded but I think this team enjoys being in the chaos. Man City winning the
3: Champions League. Wouldn't that be something, eh? Despite his goal heroics in March... City kicked off April without Erling Haaland in the side, but were still able to register a monumental 4-1 victory over Liverpool, with City starting to show the form of champions in the Premier League. At the same time, talk of a certain treble was starting to pick up in East Manchester, but to achieve that, Pep Guardiola's side would have to, of course, lift the elusive Champions League trophy. They took one step closer to doing just that on a rainy mid-April night at home to Bayern Munich. Six-times winners Bayern Munich came to the Etihad, and in truth, they were lucky to have only lost 3-0. One foot in the semi-finals, well, opinion, as always on the show, was split. It felt like, yeah, City City deserved that. In fact, it felt like City could have taken five, six, seven goals, of, you know, the chances they, they were creating. It just felt quite normal, it felt like, yes, City are the better team, they've gotten beat by Munich, who are, who are inferior to City, but not only have City performed the better team, we have also got the scoreline to reflect it, which is not always been the case in these big Champions League games.
7: Yeah, well, I mean, how many times have we said in the past that this competition doesn't reward great teams? But ultimately, for us, we're coming from a space where being the better side hasn't rewarded us in the past and we've suffered, whether it's through not being clinical enough, whether it's through moments of madness. It's the first time where a real big Champions League fixture for us, I mean, hell, there could be some jeopardy to come uh, in return for this in the Mm. second leg away at the Allianz, but certainly as far as that game is concerned, it just finally feels like we've gone into a game as the favourites and we've come out with a fair reflection of the difference in quality between the two sides. Of course, as
3: we know now, City would get past Bayern Munich in the second leg, drawing 1-1 away at the Allianz Arena to set up back-to-back semi-final clashes against Real Madrid. But fresh on the back of that win in Germany, attention would immediately switch to taking another gigantic leap towards the treble, with a win against EFL Championship side Sheffield United coming in the FA Cup semi-final. It would prove just the first of many, many crucial matches during April, especially as we get to the last week of that month where it was all eyes on the Etihad for what was being dubbed the biggest game of the Premier League season. You see, while City had been putting together an imperious winning run in the league, a stuttering Arsenal team were beginning to drop points rather regularly. It meant that City went into the contest against the North Londoners two points behind, but now City themselves had the game in hand. And in true Big Match Etihad style, City put the groany gunners to the sword with a dominant 4-1 masterclass. De
0: De Bruyne now in the penalty area and that is the end of the night for Arsenal. Harlan with the assist, De Bruyne with the side foot, the Blues are in cruise control.
3: What followed was, probably, I have to say, the best podcast introduction of the entire the season. Hook. Mikel Arteta, Stan Kroenke, Ashburton Army, Artisan Coffee Baristas, K Starmer, Rob Holden's hairline, the Piccadilly tube line, Piers Morgan, Arsenal Fan TV... Thomas Party, Emirates Airline, Alan Davies, and Gunasaurus again. Your boys took one hell of a beating. It's I first think so. And once again, the vibes were flowing after another big Arsenal win. Who do they think they are? Like who do they? <laughs> who
6: do they think they are? That they can come to our place and actually try and keep up with us? I've seen newly promoted teams give us a harder challenge at the Etihad than that. Crystal Palace gave us a harder challenge than that at the Etihad. <laughs> they were pathetic tonight. They've been brilliant all season. They were pathetic tonight. I, I, if, if I was if I was an Arsenal fan, I'd be ashamed of the performance they put in. Like City tore them apart from minute one.
3: City, now in top gear, would continue to deal exclusively in three points as they began to stretch out their lead at the top of the Premier League table. Wins against Fulham, West Ham and Leeds United would follow after the Arsenal game, but then it was time for the big one. Just 12 months after City were knocked out at the semi-final stage in the cruelest of fashions against Real Madrid, another two-legged affair against the side from Spain's capital looked like it might once again define the Blues' season. And despite the best efforts of Prince Vinny at the bow, it would be King Kevin who had the last laugh in a pulsating first-leg contest.
4: Kevin De Bruyne! What a... Manchester City's biggest players with one of the biggest goals of the season. All about the power and the accuracy from Kevin De Bruyne, and it's one all in the
0: Bernabeu. A
3: tie, which was certainly in the balance. The question on everyone's lips was: Have City finally learned from Champions League mistakes of years gone by? Disregarding
1: the scoreline. As a whole, I think you could say this is exactly how this game probably should have played out. Going to the Bernabeu, it's physical. Real Madrid have this great habit of kind of lulling you into this this very comfortable pattern of you have the ball, you have a couple of chances, they hold on, and then they hit you really quickly. And that's exactly what they did. I mean, that Vinicius goal was, was something special. It's, it's kind of the perfect result because I think when you look at City's record at the Etihad as of late it's slowly but surely becoming a place that i think people fear going to
8: of course i i, I just feel like we were professional i think that's the say best hello way to, to luke barsley it. host um, of
3: the Mark offbeat city podcast who joined the so panel around called. this time of the season
8: um, the very much your pressure would have came and i feel like city would have started making silly little mistakes and then it would have gone backwards whereas straight away after that goal i think we had about a 2 minute Um, play where we just had possession for the whole two minutes, just simply passing it around and it just took that sting out of the game really and took that momentum away from Real Madrid.
3: A tasty three points with a 3-0 win at Goodison Park would prove the perfect palate cleanser ahead of that second leg with a sense of expectation starting to build in the early Mancunian summer air. So it came down to this. With the Premier League title pretty much in the bag and an FA Cup final to look forward to, a win against Real Madrid would set up the chance for City to win the treble at the end of the season.
0: Sabrina. Bernardo Silva, is this the moment? Yes, it is! Bernardo Silva at last gives City the lead! Mares, Foden.
3: One of the most dominating performances in Champions League knockout history, 14-time winners, Real Madrid, were dispatched with ease on a night that will be remembered in Manchester City history, and one which certainly got the emotions stirred among the podcast contributors.
7: There's something I want to say and um, put out there for all blues, Um, just something I wrote a little while ago uh, after uh, after the game, and... The, the, there's been three times that I've welled up at the Etihad. Um one was after Aguero's winner in 2012, one was after Gundo's winner last season and tonight uh, I think it was when the fourth goal went in and it was it was clear that we were going through in historic fashion and tonight it wasn't it wasn't necessarily for the release of tension as it was was in those first two games. It it was the realization of two things. The first one is that this side now has an argument for being the most complete and or the best club side in history, full stop. Um, mm. The second thing is that my, my late granddad that we lost five years ago um, isn't here to see it. And City fans that are watching now, so old and young, new and legacy, inverted commas, we're all, we're, we're extremely lucky to be witnessing this. Um and we all know I think people that aren't here anymore to witness it. So just mm. blues listen what whatever happens over the next couple of weeks starting from tonight and it has already started from a number of people the discussions over ownership, charges, Bundesligaification of the Premier League, all that crap just just forget it. We can de- we can debate those later. We can debate them all summer as the transfer window rages on. There are more important things in life than football, but you know, if you're having a bad time at work, if you're having a bad time at home, with money, with friends, whatever it might be, um, don't let anyone else take this enjoyment away from you. We don't know when and where this ends. This could be a treble and it could be the last major trophy that we win for another 36 years or longer. But football is cyclical and, and some day at some point whether it's with pep or for whatever reason it will end so just enjoy it don't let anyone rain on your parade engage with other blues don't enjoy uh, don't engage with the people that are trying to put us down um god knows they'll try
3: (sighs) time for a deep breath i think maybe a quick brew because strap in everyone things i promise you are about to get wild Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The Etihad Stadium really is wonderful at this time of the season, and the same goes for McDelivery. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply, see mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. You're listening to the end of year review. We'll pick things back up in the final weeks of May. And in truth, they were some of the most calm, serene and uneventful in the entire year of 2023 for City. Arsenal's deficiencies eventually caught up with them and defeat against Nottingham Forest meant City were crowned champions without even having to kick a ball. It allowed Guardiola and co. to spend the final three league matches of the season, rotating and resting players ahead of the two cup finals which would come in June, the first of which needed no introduction. In fact, it had been causing quite the stir itself. A first ever Manchester derby final, you say? Well, for some, that was just too much to
1: take. got their eye on this one and I have uh, probably been like a a ping pong ball on a ping pong mm-hmm. table with with these next couple of weeks because there's just so many kind of factors that go into it you know if we if we lose this game against united does the champions league final now mean less because you can't win the treble and united took the treble away from us and so on and so forth.
3: Yeah, it's it's interesting. Obviously, that debate has been raging. I know um on David Mooney's podcast with Sam Lee and Nedham Manua they did a, sort of like they, they did a funny a funny segment where they sort of said after three, Nedham and uh and David said their preferred option and they both went opposite and they're going head to head and sort of and you know they're two Mancunian lads. Ollie, should we try and sort of as best as we can, as rationally as we can, explain why. People might be swaying towards the FA Cup finals, the one they'd like to... Because the way I'm looking at it now is the one I'd like to lose least, not the one I'd rather win, which one for me would hurt more to lose.
7: No, absolutely. It's not irrational. You say we should argue this rationally. It's completely irrational. And I recognise that. that, The rational answer is that we should go ahead and prioritise the Champions League we've not won it yet for all, for all the reasons we've covered a million one times mm. this is a completely irrational yet somehow simultaneously legitimate argument and you're right I was born in 94 my first memory of City apart from some very early flashes of Main Road in maybe 97 or 98 was um, the 99 final at Wembley doing something that I thought was like the the, the biggest achievement we've ever seen or you know the, the, of of my short lifetime that that moment at Gillingham and then getting back to school, and that lot of won the treble.
3: Hmm.
7: Do you know what I mean? It, it's like entire childhood was overshadowed by them. And uh, was it that that book from um, Colin Colin Schindler, Manchester United, ruined my life? Yeah. And they did, where footballs concerned, they absolutely did my, my my childhood. And I am immeasurably bitter about it.
3: Not that it mattered in the end, but the question was. Would City fans prefer to lose against United in the FA Cup final if it meant securing the Champions League in Istanbul a week later? Or would defeat against the Red Devils prove too much to take for the bitter blues, meaning a win at Wembley was a must no matter what? We didn't have to wait too long to find out though. Step forward, our very own Ilkay Gundogan. We
0: are underway for the 142nd FA Cup final, the first to be played in the month of June. The blue against the red of Manchester. And there's a good try. Oh,
4: incredible. Ilkay Gundogan. Right from the start. That is stunning.
3: Another Ilkay worldie in the second half handed City a cup final victory against their arch rivals, giving City fans something they'd Bizarre. never in their the wildest dreams imagined would have been possible. Yeah, it wiped the script clean off its axis you know
5: I was watching the game with
3: a United fan
5: a friend of mine um unfortunately he won't see sense but we were (sighs) speaking before the match and we were speaking about how crucial the first goal would be in this game lots of people before the match were saying City could wipe the floor with United um you know lots of other opinions flying around but we we were both in agreement that that wasn't going to happen it would be a tight game either way Mm -hmm. it was a final um we, we knew that it would be a tightly contested match and we both kind of said that the first goal would be absolutely critical. We said if United scored first from a set piece or a corner, they'd, they'd get 10 men behind the ball and defend. If City scored first, it could maybe be a bit of a rout. Um, but then 13 seconds in that, that moment of magic happens and it's almost like, where do you go from here?
3: Oh, and not to forget, an iconic Manchester City Elton John crossover. And well, then there was one, Premier League, tick, FA Cup, tick, Champions League, pending. Two years after City's first Champions League final ended in disappointment, Guardiola and the boys headed to Istanbul with a score to settle, as did thousands of City supporters who were keen to enjoy themselves out in the Turkish capital. Being said, Inter Milan, we're still hoping to have something to say about that. Unlike City, the Italian side had won the Champions League before and under the tutelage of manager Simone Inzaghi, the Nerazzori would prove a tough opponent for City in Istanbul. In the league, What would City fans be able to expect from this Inzaghi team in a final? Presumably they will suffer without the ball, but they might be quite happy to do that. Nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> that was like a Mourinho it's, it's, <laughs> answer
4: <laughs> <laughs> Inter Um stupid
3: Two Italian football journalists Ewan and Connor, joined us before the match To preview the final
7: I'm trying to think who in their squad Has been in a Champions League final And I'm struggling Oof, good Possibly question. nobody um, And yeah You, you look at Arguably the most European pedigree in the squad would be Mkhitaryan. He's he's won both the other competitions. Mm. Um and he possibly won't even be fit. So that you know, that they're in I know that you know City have never won it, but they were in the final very recently and they've got a lot of players in that squad who've been consistently winning the Premier League and stuff in recent years. So in theory City have got the edge in terms of going into a into a big game with the confidence of playing it the way they want to play it
8: there's nobody in italy that presses like city do there's nobody in in mm-hmm. italy that's as well versed in what they need to do as this city team are and it's it's scary from an italian perspective because I, I don't think it's impossible that inter win but equally i don't think it's impossible that inter lose six nil like i think those two things are both equally as possible for this final and-
3: But some things are meant to be for City and this time it would be the treble, as after a tense first hour or so, it was Rodri who stepped up with 20 minutes to play, securing City's best ever triumph. But it wasn't without a few nervy moments towards the end though.
4: So Pep Guardiola is a European champion again. There's a blue moon shining over Europe tonight. And Manchester City are the kings of the continent.
1: Cue the celebrations. Welcome to the show, chaps. Big, big weekend. I'm going to go straight to Luke, who is literally fresh off the boat from Istanbul. Luke, are you alive? Are you sober? Uh...
8: Can I say no comment? Is that is that allowed? Um, yeah, I've literally uh, got, the, got to drop the text in just as I pulled up to my house. And obviously, of
1: the four of us, you were the one in Istanbul, so you were there in person to to see what needs no introduction was was City winning the treble, winning their first Champions League, and and doing it in um, a nervy manner. What was the what was the weekend like? The build up to the game in Istanbul. What was it like in the ground? I know it was a nightmare getting to and from the ground. Um,
8: Give us a little a little recap of what it was like on the ground. Um, the football was, I, I can't even describe the nerves and the shock when we won. Uh, but yeah, the, the mood was very jubilant, let's just say that. I, I've never hugged so many strangers in my life. I thought I'd never hug as many people as after the ninety-three twenty. 20 but it turns out you go to Istanbul and I make friends with the whole block, really. Um, but yeah, it was nice to meet a load of people from all corners of the globe. I met Americans, I met some Rangers fans as well We of City. I met people from Yorkshire, people from down south. Everybody was just there for one reason, that would see City win and I'm proud to say that I was able to witness the best moment in City history.
3: Treble dreams coming true in Manchester City Blue. Much like Jack Grealish and the majority of the City squad, most of us spent July basking in the treble glory, and in truth, I'm not so sure to this day some of us have ever stopped celebrating. But after a period of time away, City returned from pre-season hungry and wanting to replicate it all over again. July also brought about the start of the transfer window, with plenty of big names linked to exits after that treble win, notably Kyle Walker, he was subject to interest oh, I, I, from Bundesliga the giant the, yeah, Bayern the Munich?
8: Had on the, uh, the podcast and stuff. And I think the back end of last season, I was saying, let's keep him. But I this think, is over,
3: David I Powell giving his verdict system. on whether Kyle Walker should stay from or go. 11. And the
8: system that Pep's playing. He's the wrong end of 30, wrong side of 30, sorry. So if Bayern Munich really want him, he's thinking about a new challenge. I think it would be the right thing for him to to move on now. I don't think he'd be in our starting 11.
3: There would be incomings that summer too, the most expensive of which being the £77 million million million, sign-in of Josko Gvardiol from RB Leipzig. This is a
2: player who's 21 years old. World's at his feet. He could be anything in football. Um, Contract till 2027. Leipzig have every right to ask for 85 to £100 in my opinion. But I think for City, it's worth the payment because he can be anything in this side, especially as we talk about the system, right? He can play that left centre-back role Um, he can play that left-back role, he he can step into midfield, he relishes being on the ball actually a lot.
4: But
3: just like that, before we knew it, summer had come and gone, and the season was back underway. Following a Pitiful community shield defeat on penalties against Arsenal. No, they didn't win a trophy. Yes, they had to be invited by City. The Blues started the campaign with a 3-0 Premier League win over Burnley before adding yet more silverware to their collection, this time in Athens against Sevilla with a penalty shootout victory giving them the Super
4: Cup.
0: Here comes Goodell.
4: Manchester City have won the Super Cup in dramatic circumstances. Severe miss, their fifth penalty. Manchester City perfect. And last season's treble has another trophy added to it.
3: However, it was a mid August win over Newcastle that really got City back in the mood for success. And it also marked the first time we got to see World Cup winner Julian Alvarez deployed in a deeper but equally devastating position. Alvarez netted the winning goal in that game, with the panel full of praise for the Argentine on the post match review goal. You know how Manuel Akanji has that kind of tr- That maths training where you can just
6: Immediately work out and recite Mathematical <laughs> equations Julian Alvarez is like that but with Argentine footballers You can just tell him to be like one And he will just copy their performance perfectly <sighs> I, I, I called it Aguero-esque But you know the rest of his performance It was more like Tevez because of his work right? And we've always said that about him He's a blend of the two generally
3: The following week, though, it would be another one of City's treble winners who caught the headlines, with Rodri netting a stunning last-minute winner to secure points against newly promoted Sheffield United. As the fans began to ask, can we talk about Rodri? With September came the first of three very tedious international breaks, but it also meant the return of the Champions League, City had been drawn in a less than intriguing group with RB Leipzig, yes again, Young Boys, no jokes please, and Zavenza Zvezda, or more commonly known as Red Star Belgrade, a big sorry to all those Serbian-speaking listeners out there. But unlike seasons gone by, this time things were different for City. They were starting the group stage as European champions, which of course, meant continuing the celebrations from that famous night in
0: Istanbul. This city chose down the tiger. This city delivered the dawn. This time it's different.
3: Appetite was strong for City to go on and replicate that Champions League success. And who knows, maybe even go one further, winning the League Cup to add to their treble success from last year. But September would see City's quadruple hopes come to an end at the first hurdle. Defeat to Newcastle in the first round of the League Cup ended that quest, but it came amid a three-game suspension for key holding midfielder Rodri. Referee will just
0: have to get involved.
3: The Spaniard had been sent off the week before during City's game against Nottingham Forest, sparking huge debates on the podcast and elsewhere about what City should do in his absence.
6: Um, I think the thing with Calvin is nobody in their right mind denies he's a decent player. But the fact is, you know, we talk about Calvin needing to come in and alleviate minutes. When did he do that last season? Yes, we can talk about how it was a difficult season and a difficult end of the season. But there's been times in the past where Guardiola has still changed to his team because he knew he had to. And he was, and he and he has continued to be that. This And the well,
1: point the, is... The difference is... is what I do we, not under... We- the difference is, and we talked about this a ton last season. Last season about Calvin is that he was injured for the first half of the season, not no fault of his own, because he had a dislocated shoulder and, and that needed surgery. And that was the time in which he would have been able to get minutes and earn trust and bed into the team. The only time he was fit is when City were basically in the thick of a treble run, and you are not gonna—that's not the time to earn trust for a player. So, if anything, this is his See. first season, in my opinion because it's the first season in which he actually has any sort of role in the team.
3: The Rodri-shaped hole in City's midfield would give both Wolves and Arsenal a chance to snatch three points in the league, which the two clubs capitalised on. And despite a strong win against Brighton in mid-October upon Rodri's return, there were questions being levelled at City ahead of a trip to face Man United at Old Trafford. Questions which were put to bed in some style, a Harland brace and a second half Foden strike confirming City as 3-0 winners, while reminding everyone that Manchester is in fact still blue and sparking this now famous, famous chant. Nothing quite like a victory against that lot to get the happiness levels right back up after a pretty testing couple of weeks. Shortly after that victory though, things would take a turn for City, and not necessarily for the better. November and early December brought about a string of tough fixtures for the treble winners, as they took on Chelsea, Liverpool and Tottenham, the last of which sent the pod into meltdown following a... A truly bonkers referee decision. Was it the worst of all time? You, um, well, we, Joe Butterfield we thinks so. Recorded and said that, yeah, and you
5: mentioned that. Um, David Mooney, I think, is has put out a poll, sort of comparing which which is worse, this one or or the Rashford slash Fernandez offside goal at Old Trafford. I think the on-field decision. This is this is comfortably the worst like this is I think it's worse because it's not I I I sort of said that afterwards like I think if it comes to a point where he's he's blown late for the foul he doesn't give the advantage he just blows late for the foul because he sees a city player boot it away and he just thinks all right well this is I'll, I'll blow for that foul it's it's still annoying but I can understand how the referees got to got to that position I just don't understand how a referee gets to, like I put on Twitter after that referees deserve all the abuse they get and I genuinely like I I, I absolutely <laughs> I, I stand by it like it's it's the honestly we here think, at I the
1: City Report podcast do not condone Joe Butterfield's <laughs> official just... statement.
3: But it was defeat away to Aston Villa in one of the final matches of the year that represented one of their worst performances of the year.
5: Yeah, I mean on my debut last week, I think you asked me, is this the worst game we've seen under Pep? And <laughs> <laughs> I think you can ask that question again. Um Was it? I I, I think so. I think this is up
3: there. This is Alex Michel giving his two cents on the you know, defeat. Last week,
5: like we got ninety percent of the moves right, and then it was the final ten percent that mm. didn't go our way. And this week it feels like we got zero percent of it right. So I don't really know. I mean we'll get into the details and, and start to answer some questions but for me it's it's difficult as to where to to point the fingers because it feels like it's a collective issue right now tonight was just so one-sided that i think if anyone was in doubt that there were issues with the side at the moment tonight puts away any of those doubts
3: A victory against newbies, Luton Town would arrest those problems, albeit momentarily, because frustrations would once again grow when a last-minute penalty saw City throw away three points yet again at home to Crystal Palace. A mere slump? are genuine cause for concern. The good news for City, at least, before 2023 came to a close, like they had done on four previous occasions already this year, City would have the chance to add yet another trophy to their collection at the Club World Cup in Saudi Arabia. And in some ways, it represented a much-needed break for the Blues after what had been a taxing couple of weeks. The two-match tournament kicked off in style for City as they broke through the deepest of deep Uwara red diamonds, Fence to progress into the semi-finals, Brazilian side Fluminense was stood in the way of a maiden World Cup triumph, and just like at the FA Cup final from earlier in the year, City needed less than a minute to break the okay, deadlock.
4: Forward, and tries to steer it into the post first time, and what a piece of improvisation as Alvarez reacted to put Manchester City in front in 40 seconds.
3: A 4 0 win in the end for Pet Guardiola's all conquering Manchester City side as they became the first English team ever to win five, yes, five, one, two, three, four, five trophies in a calendar year. The perfect cherry on top of a sensational 12 months and what was the undisputed best year in City history. It's over to 2024 now, where City could continue this rich vein of success and lift yet more silverware. But as far as 2023 is concerned, that's that for City and that's that for us. From everybody here at the City Report podcast, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for supporting, sharing, listening and laughing along to the show this year. We'll be back bigger and hopefully even better in the new year. But in the meantime, wherever you are in the world, enjoy the new year festivities. And for the final time in 2023, we'll
4: see you later.